Rasta Jeff, you bad motherfucker. Oh shit, Rasta Jeff in the house. Greetings from Podcastville. This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by my friends at SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com offers seeds from all of the industry's leading breeders, including TH Seeds, Swamp Boys Genetics, and of course, Irie Genetics. Everything at SeedsHereNow.com is backed by an award-winning satisfaction guarantee, and for my friends on a tight budget, SeedsHereNow.com offers several packs for under $30, as well as amazing monthly sales. Make sure to use coupon code GFYH10 while checking out to save a few bucks. Once again, that is coupon code GFYH10 while checking out at SeedsHereNow.com. All right, here we go. Welcome back, Podcast World. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff, and this is episode 675 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to focus on a couple of grow questions. Before we get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the kind folks who support the show on Patreon. Let's start off with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast. Thank you. Shout out to my buddy DP710. Let's send a big thank you shout out to our friends at Caribou Heart TV. I want to send a big thank you shout out to Roll This Nug. Let's send a special thank you shout out to Brian P. I want to send a big thank you shout out to Paul F. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Grow Bandit and Cano Organic Illinois. Let's send a thank you shout out to DZ from Detroit. I want to send a big thank you shout out to my buddy Quasi. Let's send a thank you shout out to Canna Reaper and Brendan Grows. Let's send a thank you shout out to Nick A. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Growman Stan and DTOM420. Then let's wrap it all up with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my friend, the Red Eyed Optimist. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need is right there on the screen. And of course, I did include a link in the show notes and the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends. I say it all the time. Please don't endanger yourself. Put your phone away if you're working, if you're trimming, if you got the kids, if you're at work, if you're driving. I say it all the time. Be safe. Be careful. Visit us on Patreon when the time is right. Patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. I do want to turn down the music. I don't like to start the show off with bad news, but this has been one of the main topics in the cannabis community. Unfortunately, we have no, we have lost another uh, wonderful member of the cannabis community, a great soldier, a great contributor, a great educator, somebody with more passion for cannabis than a lot of people in this industry has left the building. We no longer have Frenchie Cannoli with us. Frenchie has passed away. To my understandings, it was due to complications to heart surgery. So uh, let's turn down the music real low and send a big special thank you shout out to Frenchie Cannoli. Uh, Frenchie was known for making uh, some of the finest hash on the planet. He was a teacher. He taught people how to make amazing hash. Uh, he was that uh, that foreign dude at all of the events we went to. The guy that said, ooh la la, when he smoked good concentrates with you, when he smoked good hash with them. Uh, he was that sharp dressed little short guy with the cool glasses and the spiky hair. Uh, maybe a little bit older than most of us. That was Frenchie at all of the events, all the cannabis cups. Any high times event, he was there. A lot of concentrate events, hash events, he was there. 
Uh, Frenchie was a staple in the community. Uh, Frenchie was a legend. So big shout out to Frenchie. Rest in peace, Frenchie. Um, rest in power, Frenchie. He has taught so many people how to make great concentrates. So Frenchie will live on forever through those new hash makers, through the next generation. So it is somebody's job out there. Whoever learned from Frenchie, you have to teach somebody younger than you to carry on the traditions that Frenchie taught because Frenchie made amazing hash. Uh, so big shout out to Frenchie. Much respect. Uh, big love to Madam Frenchie. Big love to the entire uh, I discovered Frenchie through uh, the Team Green Avengers, TGA, through uh, Subcool, through Miss Jill, uh, through that whole gang. So big shout out, big love to them. I know they're all feeling the impact of losing Frenchie. Uh, I saw it all over social media. Everybody posted beautiful photos, beautiful memories. So once again, big shout out and rest in peace, Frenchie Cannoli. All right, now let's move on to another topic. I'm sure maybe some of you may have seen the uh, unedited Dude Grows podcast. I want to give a big shout out to all of my friends at the Dude Grows crew. Big shout out to Scotty, the dude, guru, the whole gang. Uh, maybe you saw the uh, unedited show that went out. There was another show put out. I went on there live today. Uh, we talked a little bit, hung out with my buddy Scotty. I want to give Scotty, the dude, guru, uh, everybody behind the scenes, a big high five, a big fist bump, much respect, nothing but love and respect for that whole crew. Um yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's move forward. Let's talk about growing cannabis. Uh, we've already gone on for a couple of minutes, haven't talked too much about growing. I did see something that we're going to talk about. Maybe you might want to notice this and pay attention. My neighbors were cutting down their uh, their shrubbery around their house. They weren't doing anything weird. They were just cleaning up. It's, uh, it's the end of the summertime. Some shit's dying. It's getting crispy. Some of the bushes needed trimmed up. I saw them cutting out some bushes and taking out some stuff just to make their house look a little bit better. Uh, totally acceptable homeowner activity. It's nothing weird, nothing odd. Uh, but I noticed it because I am a cultivator. And I thought, there's probably bugs in those bushes. I wonder where all of the bugs are going to go. So that prompted me to step up my pesticide regimen. I mixed up a pump sprayer, a one gallon. It looks like a deck sprayer. Uh, it's made for spraying your deck with like bleach or finish or something. I mixed up that one gallon sprayer with some pesticides that uh, I'm certified by the Colorado Department of Agriculture. Let me talk about this for one moment. Um, I have been certified by the Colorado Department of Agriculture and the Colorado State University uh, to be a train, the pesticide train, the trainer certified. So that means I can go to your uh, commercial grow facility, whether it's cannabis or tomatoes or whatever your farm is, and I can teach your lead cultivator to train your staff about proper pesticide application and handling and safety. So I understand pesticides quite a bit. I understand what I should and should not be using, where and where I should not be using it, uh, safety protocols. I understand what I'm doing. So when I talk about pesticides, don't think I'm willy-nilly with anything. Uh, I am a little bit OCD, uh, a little bit crazy about pesticide uh, safety and all that shit because I've been trained and I feel like I should be um, kind of a role model. And also when you're me, the white guy with dreadlocks growing weed, people look for flaws. So my pesticide regimen has to be on lock, has to be safe, has to be approved by the Department of Agriculture. I got to keep my shit together when it comes to that because people want to find reasons to pick at you. So I did mix up an approved pesticide uh, that you can spray outdoors of your residential area. Just a very light basic uh, from the fucking store down the street, just from the hardware store. It's not going to hurt anything, uh, but it will get rid of the bugs that may come from those plants. So I did a little... Uh, a perimeter spray. I've been trying to think of the word perimeter for the past minute before it was time to say that. I did a nice perimeter spray. I just mixed up a pump sprayer and walked around the house and just gave it a nice spray right at the base where the house meets the, the dirt or whatever, just right where the corner is there. Just 
gave it a little spray, just a little Dale Gribble, a uh, little uh, little Rusty Shackelford, if you will, went around the whole house and just gave it a little blast. Uh, and then I mixed up a different pesticide for the plants inside, and I gave them a little blast. I went a little bit harder than I normally would have. Usually I spray uh, on a Monday and then on Thursday, and then I'll skip a Monday and spray on Thursday and Monday, and then skip the Thursday. I do two sprays, Monday and Thursday, but I skip a day, uh, so I don't do too many spray applications every Monday and Thursday, but I skip after two, I skip the third one. I hope that makes sense the way I said it. So anyway, I sprayed outside because where are all of those bugs going to go? My neighbors cut down their shrubbery. There's got to be some kind of bugs in there, whether it's beetles or some kind of thrips or so. I don't know what could be in their aphids. Probably uh, those are common around here outdoors. Uh, so I could have gotten some aphids on me in my grow wherever I didn't want that to happen. So I put a little pesticides in the air to make sure that that shit didn't happen. Then we treated the inside. So if you see your neighbors, what I'm getting at is if you see your neighbors doing something, if they're cutting down the trees, cutting down the bushes, doing outside landscaping or gardening that you think may disrupt the uh, populations of insects that are living there that have decided to take residence in those trees, bushes, shrubs, flowers, whatever they're disrupting, uh, maybe you want to make some precautions. Go outside and just spray the outside with uh, whatever pesticide you feel comfortable that you feel you may need to spray with. There's some people spray anyway for spiders and shit like that, so it doesn't look weird. If you're out there just spraying, uh, it's spider season where I am. There's fucking all kinds of weird bugs. So you can just go out there and spray. It wouldn't look weird at all. And then go inside and spray your plants with the regular uh, pesticide you would use for your garden. Something that you are that's approved that you uh, don't feel like you have uh, problems. What's the word I'm looking for? Ethical problems spraying on your plants. Um, so, um, and also clean up your house while you're at it. If there's like uh, old wood pile or some shit back there. There could be a fucking snake in that shit, but also there could be a bunch of bugs living in there just waiting for you to disturb, to disturb them or wait, they're waiting for your garden to go into week eight of flower and they're going to fucking invade. So go clean up all the weird areas outside of your house too. If your neighbors are cleaning up those shrubs and those bushes, maybe it's time for you to do it at the same time. Uh, get all that shit out of there, get a dumpster, clean that shit up, but clean up all the weird, uh, shrubbery, the leaves, uh, the debris around your house, if you can, that'll help you out with your pest control, your integrated pest management. Now, since I'm talking about this, people are going to talk about uh, how do you manage your pests. I don't want to talk too deeply about integrated pest management, but I'll give you a couple of hints. Uh, I've mentioned before that I am certified by the Colorado Department of Agriculture. I am trained the trainer certified. I can go to your commercial grow and show you videos and give you a, a day-long class. It's not even that long, but I can teach your employees and teach you how to keep your employees safe, how to properly handle and uh, disperse pesticides, uh, how to handle and use, what are the other words? Anyway, teach you all the pesticide training that you need to know. I can't even think of the right words, right? Because I'm on the spot trying to talk fast. So I'm certified with pesticides. Uh, shout out to Thea Walker. She is who trained me. So uh, some credentials there. Uh, but my pesticide regimen is I spray pesticides. I've got a variety of different pesticides of different levels on the shelf. I know that I can mix some things together and I cannot mix some things together. So I've got a Monday spray and a Thursday spray. They're usually not the same things, but I kind of rotate. Um, so let's say there are five products and I'll spray on Monday. I'll spray one product on Tuesday. I'll spray a different product or Thursday, sorry, skip the next day, which would be the Monday. But then on the next Thursday, I'll spray a totally different product. So I just work my way down the list until I'm back to the start. That way the pests never have the opportunity to build any resistance to what I'm spraying them. Uh, if every day I, you walk into the grow room and I throw a left hook. My left hook is weak. I should never throw a left hook anyway. If I throw a left jab at your face, by day four or five, you're either going to be fine with taking a jab to the face or you're going to have a good block. One of the two will happen. The spider mites will become the same way. If every day 
You punch them with that left jab right in the face, they're going to walk in and they're going to dodge it. They're going to take it on the face or they're going to block it. It's not going to bother them. So if you throw a left hook on day one, throw that fucking right cross on day two and they kick them in the balls on day three, they have no idea what the fuck to do. So if you hit them with different pesticides in rotation, uh, different modes of action at the same time, they cannot build resistance. They can, I guess, but not as quickly, not as easily. It's not as likely. So I spray pesticides. I've got a few products that I rotate. I do mix different pesticides together. If you understand what you're doing, if you don't see any adverse reactions, uh, there shouldn't be a problem in mixing certain pesticides. I'll mix um, a chalky pesticide. I'll put that into the uh, solution first and shake the shit out of it to where it's emulsified. Then I'll add an oilier, a more oily, sticky pesticide in there and shake it to where they're emulsified. And then I feel like the uh, powdery one is spread through the water and the sticky one works as like a, uh, um, I can't think of the word. It helps it stick to the plant. There's a word, a wetting agent. I said the word in my head and then it got away from me. But um, there's like a wetting agent that will help it stick to the plants a little bit better, which is that sticky, uh, the sticky, uh, like something like evergreen is a little bit more sticky. Evergreen or Azimax is stickier and that'll help your plants stick. There's a word that I really want to say in my brain will not say it. Something like cocoa wet. It's the same shit that cocoa wet does hydro something. Anyway, I got to move on from that or my brain will get stuck. All right. So I do mix a few pesticides together. Um, the reason is you want to do that's different modes of action. Maybe like one pesticide will make, uh, the bugs forget to eat. And then the other pesticide will, uh, actually has a beneficial bacteria that'll make a mushroom grow inside of that bug. And that mushroom explodes and that bug is dead at that point. Uh, there are things like that you can do. So you can really attack these bugs from different angles. Also, one of the most important things to do is understand the pests that you are going to face. What bugs are going to be in your grow? We're all going to deal with spider mites, thrips, aphids, fungus gnats, white flies. Those are things you can almost fucking count on. If you're outdoors, you're going to get uh, caterpillars. You're going to get all kinds of weird random shit outdoors. You better prepare for that. So think about what's coming to your grow in your area. Indoors, like I said, fungus gnats, white flies, uh, thrips, spider mites. Be prepared for those things. Apply a preventative pesticide on a schedule that will make those bugs not want to go there. Something real simple like evergreen, uh, every couple of days, every few days, once a week, will make it undesirable for spider mites. Uh, something else you could do, put a fan on the floor pointing up. The bugs don't want to deal with the fan pointing up. Their whole idea is to get there and colonize. If you're blowing them up in the air as they try to land, they get pissed off. They don't want to be there. Make it undesirable for the pests which you think may decide to invade your grow space. Something like a fungus gnat, don't let the soil get super wet. They want to be there in the super wet soil. Um, a sticker spreader. What's the other word for like something that sticks and spreads a product? All right, it'll come to me and then I'll fucking yell it out at like five in the morning. I'll wake up in a fucking sweat and I'll come record it for you and just say that word over the mix here. Um, so uh, hit them with different angles. Uh, know what pest you're going to attack. That's very important because you can't just go spraying somebody. I see it on social media. What what can I spray for bugs? And I'm like, well, what fucking bugs do you have? It's way better if you know what bugs you're going to spray for. Uh, white flies, you might want to use uh, a BT, a Bacillus thuringiensis, right? Treat for that with the white flies. Fungus gnats, I might do evergreen in the soil. I might do uh, what's in gonads. What's that bacteria that's in gonads? It could be the same thing, honestly. I would do like a, uh, a Botanigard Max soil dredge or something like that if I had too many fungus gnats. For spider mites, we're going to start mixing things and hit multiple different products at the same time. So it's all about which pest you are trying to attack and prevent. Then know the steps. Know the steps of taking care of your bugs. And I am not 
the uh, pest management, the pesticide expert, the fucking, I am not the bug lady. There are people that are way better at handling pests than I am. I'm just telling you, uh, my method is prevention, prevent, prevent, prevent. If you're applying the proper pesticides, they won't want to be there. Uh, when you go into flower, hopefully the room is right. The room is clean. Also change clothes between grows. If you work at another grow, if you go to your friend's grow, if you go to the grow store, if you have an outdoor grow and an indoor grow, change clothes between those grows that will help you out. Uh, that is prevention. Change shoes. Change your hat. If you got dreadlocks, figure out how you're going to not contaminate one grow to the other grow with your dreadlocks. Maybe you got some spider mites, fungus gnats, thrips. Maybe somebody tagged along for the ride. Have a hat. Keep your dreads up in the hat. When you get to another grow, take your dreads out of that hat. Put them in another one. Do the best you can to be preventative. I know there's a lot going on, but the, this is important to keep bugs out of the grow. It's more important to keep the bugs out of the commercial grow than the personal grow. Uh, you're not allowed as many products in that commercial grow, and there's so much more at risk. So uh, prevention is number one. Then scouting. In my opinion, scouting for bugs is your next step. Pay attention. Are you looking for problems? Are you pulling off a leaf? Do you have yellow sticky traps? Do you have hanging cards? Do you have something to indicate, some sort of indicator? Hey, bro, there are bugs in here. Or is your indicator, when you walk in, you go, holy shit, there are spider mites in here. If you added some sort of indicator, something to give you a hint, you would have known we could have stepped up our preventative. We could have made it not a preventative. We could have gone into attack mode. We could have made it eradication mode. So prevent, scout. Once you see you've got a bug problem, identify the bug. I've talked about that. We can treat wrong and mess up the plants more uh, and not do any good. Spend money on the application, on the product, time on the application, fuck up the plants, uh, piss the plants off more, not even apply the right thing, and the bugs are still there tomorrow and you're just pissed off. Identify the bugs. Get the appropriate product for those bugs. You're going to have to decide what kind of products you want to use. How nuclear are you going to go? I always try to follow uh, Department of Ag guidelines for my personal grow as well. Just make it a habit. Sometimes you got to go a little bit harder. Plants that come in from, uh, if I get a clone from another source at this point, I will treat it with something uh, something fucking nuclear because I'm not letting any new bugs come in on clones ever again. I fucked up. I've done that more than once. Not going to happen again. It's my fault. I need to prevent that. So um, make sure that you're treating with the level of pesticide that you feel appropriate. If you've got spider mites that are making webs and shit on your plants, some fucking hippie soap, some like pesticide, some safer soap isn't going to do it. You need a real pesticide. You need to step it up. Think about that. Uh, think about the level of pesticide you need to use and what you're comfortable with using. Uh, so then attack from all angles and be persistent is the next method of attack I've got written down. Once you've identified your pest, find how to get rid of it. What is that pest reproductive cycle? How long do the babies last? How long do the adults last? How do they eat? What do they enjoy? Then fuck that all up. Don't give them the opportunity to reproduce. If they lay eggs and reproduce in three days, spray every other day so they never get the opportunity for their babies to keep living. Get on top of them. Learn their life cycle. Learn what pesticide eradicates them. You can easily go to Google and you can type uh, fungus gnat eradication pesticide application and it will show you six or seven different not only like specific products, it'll show you like evergreen, uh, bacillus thuringiensis products, but it'll show you a product and it will also show you active ingredients. And then you can look for products with that active ingredient based in it, find two or three of those things. Maybe there's one product with two or three things uh, and then attack those bugs with that on a strategy. If you can get multiple pesticides so that you can hit them on Monday with that fucking jab, 
hit him on Thursday with that right cross. Then on Monday morning again, kick him right in the balls. And then when they think they're going to stand up again on Thursday, you stomp right on their neck with another pesticide and fucking destroy them. Don't let them come. That is don't let them come. That sounded worse than it was supposed to. Don't let them thrive. That's what I really meant. Somebody edit that shit. I'm not going to. Um, anyway, destroy those bugs in there. Get them with multiple methods of attack, multiple pesticides mixed together or on a rotation so they can't develop a resistance. Knock them the fuck down as quickly as possible. Have a plan. Have a schedule. Understand what you're spraying. What are you spraying? Why are you spraying it? Because I'm spraying this product because it's got this main ingredient, which is effective on this pest, which I have in the grow. That, that's what you should be able to say. Why are you spraying this? Because I have mites. Was that product designed to kill spider mites? Yes, it is. Okay, that's a very good first start. Now, what is your schedule of spraying it? Because you spray it once, you're going to kill the spider mites, the adults that are alive now, but eggs are going to hatch in two to three, maybe four days. Then you got a whole new spider mite infestation. So we need to get back in there and spray in two to three, maybe four days to stop those new mites. Then guess what? We got to do it again. But now the mites are probably building resistance because we hit them with three left jabs. If you're using the same product, switch it up, use a different product, get that right cross in there. So you've got to be diligent. You've got to have a strategy. You've got to have a plan. And there has to be a reason. When we go to treat pests, this isn't just like kind of fly by the seat of our pants. This is when strategy and thinking ahead three or four weeks really comes into play. You've really got to think about it ahead. I try to stress how important it is to think ahead when you're growing. And some people still don't understand. But maybe now that I've said think three or four weeks ahead when you're dealing with pests, maybe you actually understand those pests when you think they're gone, by the way. They're not gone. They're not gone yet. Never think they're all the way gone because that's when they come back. When you get relaxed and lazy on the pesticides, that's when they reappear. All right, I'm not sure how long I've been going, but I do feel like I can probably answer this message here. This one comes from our friend Red Eye. Let's segue into the email portion of the show. Our friend Red Eye sent me a message. It says, you got me thinking about the bottleneck theory. Could we be causing this by breeding hybrids to hybrids? Um... And then he says, I, my concern is eventually too many background genetic variation. Uh, shout out to my buddy Red Eye. This is a very good question. So what Red Eye is talking about is the bottleneck theory. And this is something as a cannabis breeder with limited space uh, that I have to worry about. Excuse me. I do feel like I have a kombucha burp coming. I apologize for that. I'm just trying to get it out of the way. There we go. Let's move forward. So bottleneck. Uh, bottleneck theory that would be basically to where when we are breeding that everything becomes the same thing it starts to look the same smell the same because we've used all the same genetics um and that is happening a little bit in cannabis because uh, my response to him directly was uh yeah for 10 years it was all kush so for about 10 years everybody was just breeding kush everything at the dispensary everything on the street was OG Kush, Skywalker Kush, Bubba Kush, Ghost Kush, uh, something OG, some sort of banana OG, fruit OG, foot OG, uh, rapper name OG. There's Wiz Khalifa OG, Snoop OG, Kanye West OG. Uh, there was all kinds of Kushes and OGs, and they were all just breeding inbred stuff to the other stuff just so they could say they had their own Kush crosses. So for about 10 years, yeah, it was all Kush, brother. All of it was Kush. You could go to every dispensary in LA, every dispensary in NorCal, and it was Kush, 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 OG, Kush, Kush, OG. 
uh, Skywalker Kush, Moondancer Kush, Dogfucker Kush, Kitten Licker Kush. It was all there. You could get it all. And then in Colorado, the trend followed right along. There were a bunch of dispensaries on Broadway where it was just a bunch of different Kush. Then for five years, excuse me for the word slurring there, for five years, maybe even more, uh, maybe the past five or ten years, it has been cookies. Everything has been bred to cookies. Everything has got cookies in it somewhere along the line. A lot of the shit has got Kush and cookies in it, to be quite honest with you. Those are some of the Kush uh, cookies possibly has Kush in it, too. I'm not going to debate what's in the cookies with you at this point. But, uh, yeah, for a while, everything was Kush and cookies. And then Chem would show up. We'd have uh, Chem 91, Chem 4, Chem D, Chem Sister, uh, some straight Chem Dog. That was in a lot of shit for a long time. And then we had a lot of crosses that were Chem Kush cookies. All of it was Chem Kush cookies. So, yeah, there is a little bit of bottleneck happening. And you see it now. Uh, in a lot of the dessert-named strains. Those are all cookie derivatives with like a Kush background with some sort of other sativa in there to boost up the buzz to it, to boost up the product productivity to make it commercially viable. So yeah, it was all, uh, for a while, it was all Kush. Then we got a lot of cookies. You'd get some chem show up in the mix there. Uh, then it was all Kush chem cookie crosses. And then, like I said, then it became all dessert-named stuff, like uh, pastry and dessert named things that, like I keep saying, were really heavily influenced by a lot of the Girl Scout cookies line. Um, a lot of that is done by hype. A lot of that is done by market demand. Uh, a lot of that is done because it's what is available. Um, there's a demand for that when cookies was popular, if you had Girl Scout cookies, they would buy that. If you were a, a free market uh, retailer, you had Girl Scout cookies or anything else. If you just went down the list of strains you had available, I'll sell you this. I'll sell you this. I got Girl Scout cookies. Nobody heard anything after you said Girl Scout cookies. Like, just shut up and give me the cookies, bro. So everybody had the Girl Scout cookies. And then uh, people were breeding to it because they all had it. So then everything became crossed with the cookies. I'm not mad about it. Some of the cookie crosses are great. I've made a couple of my own. There's the Cookie Stomper. There's the Burning Spear. Uh, there's Coffee Cake, which we've talked about in the past. I didn't forget you, brother. My friend that's emailing me. I've just been overloaded. Uh, but there are a lot of cookie crosses out there. I love the Girl Scout cookies. It was fucking amazing. Uh, but I got tired of it because everywhere I went, that's all anybody was growing, smoking, selling, fucking trying to get me to smell, posting pictures of it. It was just cookies, cookies, cookies. And I, I love it. But at the same time, like how many times can you smoke the same fucking strain? So for a while, it was just cookies, just cookies. Uh, now, cookies is in everything. I'm not mad about it, but all the strains now have somewhere down the line, there is cookies in the mix, which means when I breed to it, I've got to breed to something without cookies in it, which is what I really try to do. I try. I fall into it sometimes. I did use the biscotti to make the Saka souffle, but shout out to my buddy, uh, Matt. I don't know uh, what social media handle name to use for you today. Shout out to my buddy, Friendly Fire Farms. Uh, he threw me the biscotti cut. I use that to make the Saka souffle. Uh, it was a great plant, and I like Matt, and he left me that plant. He had to move, and he donated that plant to the arsenal. I felt like it fit. Uh, it was a little bit different than everything else I have. It does have cookies in it. The biscotti does have cookies in it. That's what I bred the Saka Souffle with. Uh, I try not to follow those trends, you guys. I really try to breed outward and do different shit from everybody else, uh, but I love that fucking plant, so I had to breed with it. But that's why you see me using like the Platinum Tangy and uh, just totally different things, the blueberry cookies. I'm using things that not everybody uses. Blueberry cookies, there's fucking cookies in that one. See where we're going? There's cookies in everything. So I've got to be careful when I breed with things to not double up on the cookies, the kush, the chems, because those are in 
a lot of the popular crosses. So yes, uh, bottleneck theory is quite popular. And in my theory, it's basically all hybrids at this point, unless you're getting some crazy land race sativa. If you're flying to another continent and they're pulling sativa seeds out of their sativa buds that are growing right now and showing you, look, this takes fucking 24 weeks to flower. Uh, most of the time you're not getting true sativas. Most people don't have the time, patience, space, uh, patience is the key word there to grow a real sativa. I'm talking 14, 16 weeks or more. You got to go 14 or 16 weeks to impress me, to, to get me to call you like super real sativa. Most of what I breed, I say is sativa leaning. Uh, it's all hybrids. Honestly, uh, there's a lot of indica, a lot of sativa in there to make the combinations happen. It's all hybrids. Now you guys, it has all been hybridized together and it is all working toward bottleneck theory. That is an absolute uh, possibility, but luckily there are there are a lot of breeders that have no idea about this sort of a thing, and they're going to breed themselves into a circle, into a trap, and they don't have anywhere to go with their genetics, with their breeding, with their programs. Uh, they haven't thought ahead. They haven't thought about Mendel charts. They just haven't put a breeding program on paper, on a spreadsheet, haven't thought about any of that for the future. Luckily, there are breeders uh, who are a little more educated, who care a little bit more. I'm not bashing the other uh, style of breeder. Those guys are just doing it the way that they're doing it. They're doing it the way they're doing it. I'm going to do it this way. And hopefully I can prevent the bottlenecking in my breeding. And hopefully what I put out, uh, leaves opportunity for breeding for the consumer who does get my seeds. All right. I think I talked a lot about that one. I don't want to go on too long. Um, yeah, my computer just went black. What happened? There we go. Screensaver technology. Thank you. Um, I think that is all I've got for you for this episode. I'm going to wrap it up because I want to be fresh for the next episode or for the next question. I do have a lot to ramble about in that one. So we're not going to, uh, waste that one at the end of this show. We're going to make sure to save a lot of time for that. in the next episode, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there. I want to thank each and every one of you once again for listening to episode 657 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. I had a lot of fun talking through this episode. Uh, good subjects to get me talking about. Pesticides I'm very comfortable with. And of course, you know, I like to talk about breeding all the time. Please send me more questions. I do love to hear from you. My email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. If you have questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, Heart at hotmail.com is the way to get in touch. Make sure you check out the website at iregenetics.com. Halfway down on the iregenetics website, there's a spot that says uh, keep in touch or stay in contact. I think it says keep in touch or stay up to date, stay updated, something like that. I should scroll and look and see what it says. Oddly enough, I don't stock my own website very much, but make sure you go put your email address in there. Uh, we will send you a newsletter once a month. You will stay updated on all of the iregenetics news that you need to know about. Also, check out the Discord channel. I will leave a link to the Discord channel in the show notes and the video description. Join us on Discord. We would love to have you. It's a good time over there. Big shout out to all of those folks who keep the Discord running, keep it active, keep it lively. Uh, big shout out to Graybeard. Uh, big shout out to Billy Podunk. Big shout out to Dave's Not Here and OG Purple Thumb. And that's probably enough shout outs for that part of the show. It's going to get weird if I keep going. All right. That is definitely all I've got for you for this episode. You know I'll be back in just a couple of days with fresh new content. Let's send a big shout out to Miss Jill. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me.
Thank you.